Alright, alright. Welcome to another episode of the Drop Pass Podcast, aka the Jeep European version of the Hockey Central. I'm your host, Janne Toivonen, and as you probably know, the NHL is on the forefront of this podcast, and we won't once again divert from that heading today since... In this episode, we will take another trip down the memory lane and list down the biggest draft gems from the year 2000 all the way to year 2010. This is because the training camps are currently underway in the NHL and I won't be making the season previews before the rosters are pretty much set. So before we see what the rosters look like, we have to postpone those episodes and fill in your weekly quota of NHL by other means. This week's episode is most likely going to be a bit shorter than usual because I'll be heading out of town before the weekend, but the silver lining here is that you can expect to see another guest to appear on this show, hopefully already next week, so that should even out the content front until the season previews are published at the start of the upcoming season. But that's the game plan for today, and it's time to blast out the intro music, so as always, without further ado... Let's get going. And here we go once again. Compared to past few weeks, it's been way more silent on the news front. So the first part of this week's episode won't take that long to cover. And therefore, we will pretty quickly move on to the main topic of this week's piece. On the contract front... Jason Robertson, Nick Haig and Alex Fermenton still remain unsigned and the worry amongst both the Stars and the Golden Knights fan bases has started to arise and to me. The curious part here is that according to multiple sources, the talks between Haig and the Knights have grounded to a standstill and many wonder why that is since he made great progress during their last campaign and pretty much solidified his future in their top four. If only the Golden Knights aim to keep him in Vegas, which certainly isn't a sealed destiny by any means. If I wanted to start some rumors, I would say that currently the Golden Knights are testing the market for available goaltenders and thus haven't resigned Haig so that the team acquiring him would acquire his rights and then negotiate an extension according to their own plans. And I mean, that really doesn't feel too outlandish taking into account Vegas's recent actions and their overall reputation inside the league. They already acquired Edin Hill to their crease and have Logan Thompson and Laurent Brossois sitting in their system as well, so one of those guys could be included in the deal if they aim to acquire a new starter to fill in the void left by Robin Lehner. They only have roughly 2.6 million in cap space, when taking into account Laner's LTIR listing, so that could certainly affect the negotiations to a certain extent as well. They currently have Alec Martinez, Shea Theodore, Freddie McNabb and Ben Hutton on their left side, which is a pretty strong left side on its own, but Higgs' presence would certainly boost that decor without questions. So what I see here is that either, like I said, they seek to trade for a real starting goaltender, which will be extremely hard to come by in the current state of the market. Plus, that asset would be extremely high in value, so the Knights would have to give up a lot if they seek to acquire a standalone starter to their crease. Or what is the more obvious choice here is that they are still trying to trade away one of their lower line one-way deals to alleviate cap space in order to sign Haig to at least a bridge deal, but 
whatever the case happens to be, the Golden Knights still have a burning case in their hands and need to handle that in a timely fashion if they want him to their top six before they start a new season. Also, in this case, I wouldn't see an offer sheet as an impossible option, although in today's NHL it is still very rare phenomenon and therefore I see it as a very unlikely option for any NHL team. But just keep these options in mind before any confirmation comes out of Vegas. Ottawa currently has about 5.7 million in cap space which should enable them to negotiate a deal with Farmington and that's why I don't see any issue with this case and when it comes to Robertson and the Stars. I believe that at this point it is just a battle between the Stars owner Tom Gagliardi and Robertson concerning his deal since just a few weeks ago. Gagliardi made a statement saying that he doesn't buy into the thought of young players getting 8-year, 9 million deals after their ELCs even though on Robertson's part, I would be willing to sign him to a long-term contract. Since the guy is a proven point producer, but maybe Gaglardi has learned from his previous mistakes, Sagan and Ben in question, and doesn't want to remake those mistakes. The Stars currently have 6.3 million in cap space, which certainly would be enough for a bridge deal, but if the team and the player are currently seeking the long-term option, that cap space could be crunched within minutes, so it's going to be interesting to see what the outcome of those negotiations will eventually be, but I don't expect to see him sitting out like Nylander did a couple years back. On the injury front, the latest headline concerns Carolina's defenseman Jake Gardner, who missed the entire 21-22 campaign due to injury, and earlier this week we heard rumors that claimed that he would be sidelined for the upcoming season as well. And it's pretty unfortunate since the latest details concerning his health before these news told us that he would be fit for the upcoming season, but just like Ellis, it seems that these players can't catch breaks and the future of their careers might be in doubt based on the recent announcements. In addition to that, the Canes are missing Max Pacioretty from their roster after he suffered an off-season injury and will be sidelined approximately 5 months due to a torn Achilles. Similar fate also concerns cast forward Carl Hagelin, who suffered an injury during the last regular season and is expected to be out long-term indefinitely, but we catch up on all the major injuries during the season previous, so those will be all for this week's edition. Three notable signings were made during this week, as the Columbus Blue Jackets resigned defenseman Andrew Peake to a three-year extension carrying a 2.75 AAV. Florida resigned their top goalie prospect Spencer Knight to a three-year, 4.5 million extension. And finally, the Leafs came to a mutual agreement with their RFA Rasmus Sandin, who was inked to a two-year, 1.4 million contract. Peak's deal was pretty much a no-brainer since the 24-year-old has now spent three years with the Jackets and has impressed with his defensive game even though his plus-minus column might suggest something else from the past couple of seasons. This wasn't a massive investment on the organizational level. They get to keep their top 6 option for relatively cheap, and once he gains even more experience, he will become hot commodity in the NHL since there is always a market for these types of defensively minded blue liners, as we've seen through the past few off-seasons, where big checks have been handed to tough top 6 blue liners. When it comes to Florida and their extension, although the young netminder had an alright season with the Panthers last year. The 4.5 million sheet just seems a bit much when looking at his numbers from the past two seasons. 
I get that the Panthers are counting on his upside and he probably leveraged his contract to what Ottinger got this offseason, but the numbers are quite different with these two and overall it's quite a sizable bridge deal in my mind, especially given to a goaltender who really hasn't proved anything on the next level. They've now invested 14.5 million in their goaltenders for the next four years, so at least we know where the money has gone in Sunrise. Pretty questionable deal in my mind, since I wouldn't necessarily count this as a bridge deal given the 4.5 million cap hit. So at this point I would count this as a loss for the Panthers since they were not able to sign him to a long-term deal, while they still had to give up a pretty hefty paycheck. So you tell me, was this a W or an L for the Pantherland? And now that the Leafs have finally signed Rasmus Sandin to his bridge deal, he has to take matters in his own hands and solidify his spot in their top six. Because obviously the team wants to keep him, but because the left side of their blue line is fairly stacked at this point, it is just up to him to take his spot, or otherwise the Leafs need to make adjustments in order to make some room for him in their lineup. He has the upside to make that happen and has showed glimpses of that during the past couple of seasons, but as you can imagine, competing against Morgan Riley, Mark Giordano and Jake Muzzin for ice time isn't the easiest job in the world, but we'll see if he's finally able to make his breakthrough on the NHL ice this year with the Leafs. That is pretty much the coverage from the past week. Nothing crazy really happened and the preseason train kept on rolling on its tracks. And sooner than we might think, it arrives to its final destination and it's time for the regular season hockey, so you better start to get pumped for the ever-closing NHL 2022-2023 season. But now that we've gone through the most essential news, it's time for the main course of this week, the biggest draft gems from the early 21st century, aka the late round steals, and you probably at this point want to know which were the parameters determining if a player is a steal or not, so let me explain quickly what was my thinking concerning this topic. It is once again opinion-based and for example some people might think that the real steals come from the later rounds, the 5th, the 6th and the 7th. But in my mind, for example, current superstars drafted from the 2nd round onwards could be counted as such. But just so that we can cohesively reach the middle ground here, I tried to stick with the 3rd round and above on this listing. You might think that this would be easy to do. But boy, I can tell you that there are way more steals in each draft class than you might think. And narrowing down those names becomes pretty challenging because you have to change the parameters depending on the draft class. Because some classes are more point heavy, while in others you have names that have played over 800 games in depth roles and won Stanley Cup. So if you have some spare time, go to EliteProspects.com and take a look at the recent draft classes and see how many players end up making it to the big league with hair-thin margins. And you might remember that we made a somewhat similar episode where we redrafted the 2010, 11, 12, 13 and 14 classes. But today we only focus on the biggest deals and include all draft classes starting from year 2000 all the way to 2010. More recent drafts are still in review, so just keep in mind that a few newer ones might be still coming. So better to just keep your eyes on the rosters in the following years. And as the last note, I want to tell you that I decided to stick with three names per draft class, plus few honorable mentions, just so that we won't stretch to two hours and because I don't get paid enough to do so. But once I'll do, 
I'll make sure to include every fourth liner into my listing, but until that happens, you have to settle for my five course meal. But now, let's just get to it. Year 2000 is where we will begin our journey and obviously the global scouting has improved tremendously throughout the years and thus you will see more late round gems from the earlier drafts plus the fact that NHL had 9 rounds in each draft until 2005 when they decreased the round total to 7 so don't be fooled by the fact that some players actually got drafted in the 8th and the 9th round since it actually was the case. The first draft class that we are going to go through was in fact the notorious Rick DiPietro draft, where Danny Heatley and Marian Gabryk filled the remaining spots in the top three. But without questions, the biggest deal of this draft came from the seventh round when the New York Rangers selected Swedish goaltender Henrik Lundqvist with their 205th overall pick. And not many expected him to become such a dominant force on the NHL level, but one Olympic and one World Championship gold, one Vesna and multiple other great honors later, the noise amongst the doubters has diminished to a minimum. Hands down one of the most dominant goaltenders of the decade was in fact a real diamond in the rough and easily takes the top spot of this ranking. The second place on our list belongs to Slovakian defenseman Lubomir Wisnowski, who racked up almost 900 games in the NHL and in those scored a sounding total of 495 points. In addition to those, Three medals from the World Championships, including gold medal, belongs to his resume. And as a fourth round pick, that's pretty decent total, if you ask me. But yet again, another NHL veteran without cup. Same goes with the latest notable name of our listing, John Michael Lyles, who was drafted in the fifth round by the Colorado Avalanche back in 2000, but was still able to play over 800 games in the NHL while recording 370 points in the process as an undersized puck-moving defenseman. He spent his career in Colorado, Toronto, Carolina and Boston before retiring, and especially given his stature and the demands in the NHL in that time, his resume is impressive for a player that was never expected to make the NHL in the first place. The honorable mentions go to Antti Miettinen and Paul Gosted, who both made their marks on the NHL in depth roles, but were vital pieces for their teams during their stays in the NHL. And from this draft class, I also have to shout out the gentleman himself, Jukka Hentunen, who was drafted in the sixth round by the Calgary Flames. And as my former coach, I just couldn't pass on the opportunity to not include him in this listing. Then we move to 2001 draft class, which was labeled as a battle between two superstars, Russian Ilya Kovalchuk and Canadian Jason Spezza, and without a doubt, those guys earned their credits on the next level. But for me, the biggest deal of this draft class ended up being Patrick Sharp, who was drafted 95th overall by the Philadelphia Flyers. One Calder Cup, three Stanley Cups, and one Olympic gold to his name, in addition to 620 points in 939 NHL games is quite an accomplishment for a third round pick, especially given the fact that he was one of the leading forces for the Blackhawks on their journey to those three cups. All-around professional has since moved away from the rink to NHL broadcasts, which is a huge bonus for the league thanks to his man-rocket status and great presence in front of the camera. He gets the top spot from this draft, but close by comes another Finnish representative, since the second player on my list is going to be Jussi Jokinen, who was drafted in the 6th round by the Dallas Stars, but ended his career with 563 points in 951 games, 
So one could argue that he was the biggest deal of the draft, and I wouldn't argue with that statement, but given Sharp's three cups, he unfortunately passes Yusa in this listing. One of the league's elite shootout specialists also earned himself one Olympic silver and bronze medal, one silver medal from the World Championships and two national championships from Finnish Liga, in addition to junior medals, so you could say that he is pretty accomplished player for a sixth round pick. Throughout his career, he played for multiple different organizations, but seasons in Dallas, Pittsburgh, Florida and Carolina are the most memorable thanks to his point totals. And I can say with certainty that he has been one of the many role models for modern Finnish hockey players. But third on our list is goaltender Mike Smith, who was drafted 161st overall by, once again, the Dallas Stars. And by racking up 0.912 save percentage and 2.70 goals against average, in 670 games, he deserves his spot in the top three. He has been labeled as the best puck handler amongst the NHL goaltenders and his long-lasting NHL career, plus one Olympic and one World Championship gold pretty much cements his spot amongst the elite goaltenders and draft seals of the last two decades. The two honorable mentions from this draft class are going to be Marit Chidlitsky, drafted 176th overall by the Rangers, and Denis Seidenberg, who was drafted 172nd overall by the Philadelphia Flyers, who both had remarkable careers in the NHL by recording over 800 games each. Next on the line is going to be the year 2002, where the big name of the draft class was the first overall pick, Rick Nash. And upon this year's class, I had to make an exception since the differences are just so large compared to his companions. Since the clear-cut steal of this class is recently retired, three-time Stanley Cup winner, two-time Olympic gold medalist, two-time Norris Trophy winner, and a Conn Smythe winner, Duncan Keith. That's a resume that you just can't put to the side, and therefore he's the obvious choice for the steal of the draft. Over 1,200 games played in the NHL and 646 points recorded in those games, speaks volumes, and it goes without saying that this guy is a Hall of Fame name in a couple of seasons. I don't think that I need to justify my decision more than that, so let's just move on to our next player, who is going to end up being the 241st pick of the draft by the Sabres, Dennis Wideman. 12 seasons spent in the NHL, 387 points scored in 815 games, which is pretty decent stat line for an 8th round pick. He spent his years in St. Louis, Boston, Florida, Washington and Calgary before calling it quits. And although he didn't win any silverware during his stay in the NHL, the time spent on the NHL ice tells you the story about his professionalism and dedication to the sport and therefore deserves the second spot on our list. The last name on our list for 2002 draft class is going to be another Finn, Valtteri Filppula who was drafted 95th overall by the Red Wings and, as mentioned in the previous episode, belongs to the Triple Gold Club, aka one Olympic gold, one world championship, and, above all else, a Stanley Cup to his name. Over 1,000 games in the NHL and over 500 points produced in those is a pretty decent total, while being one of the most underrated two-way centers during his prime, and, in my opinion, deserves his spot on my list and without questions, will also earn his place in Finnish Hockey Hall of Fame in the coming years. Honorable mentions from this draft class go to Danish Franz Nielsen, third-round pick by the Isles, 
and a Stanley Cup champion Maxim Talbot, the 234th pick by the Pittsburgh Penguins. And as you can probably guess, when we move in chronological order, the next draft class is going to be the 2003, where the first overall pick of the draft ended up being goaltender Mark Andre Fleury. But the clear-cut steal of the draft ended up being a 7th round selection by the Sharks' Joe Pavelski. And yes, can you believe that he was drafted that late? Well, over 1100 NHL games later, the guy still keeps scoring goals and has been a leader for the Dallas offense by putting up impressive numbers in his late 30s. The former captain of the Sharks is a no-brainer for this spot and once again I think his numbers back up the talk and there are only few names that reach these numbers when looking at their original draft position. After him, we have one of the more beloved players of the past two decades who was originally drafted 245th overall by the Chicago Blackhawks as a forward but later was turned into a defenseman and earned his living by demolishing and ragdolling guys all over the ice while putting up great numbers offensively from the back end, and his name is Dustin Bufflin. This name doesn't leave anyone cold and his truck-like frame certainly created chaos on the ice each time he was there, but for an 8th round pick, one Stanley Cup, 869 games and 525 points doesn't sound that bad if you ask me. And the last name on this list is going to be goaltender Jaroslav Halak, who was originally drafted in the ninth round by the Montreal Canadiens, but still keeps on stopping pucks, and just this year earned himself another assignment with the New York Rangers. This undersized puck stopper was a long shot to say the least when his name was called back in 2003, but two William and Jennings trophies, 0.916 save percentage and 2.49 goals against average in 556 games, Proved that he wasn't just pixie dust on Canadian's draft table, so extremely impressive is the way that I would describe his career after getting drafted so late back in the early 2000s. The honorable mentions from this draft class go to Patrice Bergeron, 45th overall pick by the Bruins, Shea Weber, 49th pick by the Preds, and David Backes, 62nd pick by the St. Louis Blues, thanks to their credentials from the big league. And the only reason these guys were not in the top three is because they were relatively high picks compared to three names listed above. And I could have thrown in even more names that had impressive careers in the NHL, but since I decided to stick with these six names, some players had to stay on the sidelines and that's just the nature of this week's episode. 2004 was year of the Russians as Alexander Ovechkin was drafted first overall by the Caps. And right behind him, the Pittsburgh Penguins grabbed the skilled center Yevgeny Malkin second overall. But when it comes to steals of this draft, to me the obvious answer here is a goaltender who was drafted 258th overall by the Nashville Predators, and his name is Pekka Rinne. One Vesna, one silver medal from the World Championships, two league titles and multiple All-Star nominations in his track record in addition to 683 games played with the Preds with impressive 0.917 save percentage and 2.43 goals against average. Like Lundqvist, undoubtedly one of the best NHL goalies through the past two decades, and although he never could grab the biggest of them all, his name is known across the continents and especially in Finland, he has been a great role model for young goaltenders. Easy pick for the steal of the draft, and there are only a handful of European goalies who have reached similar numbers in their careers. 
The second place on my list belongs to Swiss defenseman Mark Stride, who was drafted only four spots behind Rinne in the ninth round, but ended up spending 13 seasons in the NHL and was able to rack up over 400 points during his stint. Coming out of Switzerland, the odds for his NHL career were almost down to zero when the Canadians drafted him, but 434 points, 786 games and one Stanley Cup after I can say that he beat the odds quite clearly. One of the pioneers in Swiss hockey was inducted to the IIHF Hall of Fame in 2019, and his legacy has brought numerous Swiss juniors to the league ever since his debut in the NHL, and is very deserving of the second spot on our list. And the last vote on this list goes to Stanley Cup winner Troy Brower, who was selected 214th overall by the Chicago Blackhawks in the 7th round. 851 games played in the NHL with 363 points scored in those earns a spot on the list. Even though two honorable mentions, Ryan Callahan, drafted 127th overall, and Chris Versteeg, 134th pick of the draft, came close to surpassing him on this list. This was pretty strong draft class overall, and there were multiple names that could have earned their spots in the top three, but these names were the most notable ones given their stat lines and credentials, so we will move on to our next draft class and see what they got on offer for us today. 2005 draft class was another very stacked one, where the top name of the draft was surprise surprise Sidney Crosby. But the steal of this draft was a goaltender drafted in the third round by the Los Angeles Kings, and his name is Jonathan Quick. And pretty obviously, two Stanley Cups, one Vesna and two Jennings, in addition to multiple All-Star nominations, earns him a spot, and once again, even though he wasn't drafted as late as the previous nominees, his track record speaks for itself, and although he suffered a major setback stat-wise during the 2020-2021 season, he made a nice comeback during last season, and his overall numbers from 712 NHL games, 0.913 save percentage, and 2.42 goals against average are elite level. And just like other goalies listed in this episode, he belongs to the elite of goaltenders from the past two decades. The second player on our list is going to be a defenseman drafted in the fourth round by the Phoenix Coyotes, and his name is Keith Yandel. Over 1,000 NHL games played, 619 points scored in those, and the current title holder of the NHL's Iron Man streak deserves his spot on our list. And since we pretty much broke down his career in our previous episode, we are going to leave out the sweet talk and just tip our cap for his lengthy NHL career and move on to our final name of the 2005 draft class, which is going to be Patrick Hernquist. The former 7th round pick has had a lengthy NHL career which has included 540 points in almost 900 games, one gold medal from the World Championships and to top it off, two Stanley Cups with the Penguins in 2016 and 2017. He has represented Nashville, Pittsburgh and most recently Florida in his career, while suiting up for Sweden in the international stage. And just like many others mentioned previously, the credentials just are too great for me to leave him out. And that's why he's the man for the third place on our list. The two honorable mentions from this draft class go to Anton Strollman, who was drafted 216th overall, and Niklas Jalmarsson, 108th pick by the Blackhawks. And there were also a few other names who could have made it to the top three, but this is the bunch that we are going to roll with, and you can leave your arguments down in my DMs, and I'll make sure to consider them on our next redraft episode. The 2006 draft class was pretty balanced all around, and there were not as many absolute steals than years prior. 
But the obvious number one choice here is the pick number 71 by the Boston Bruins, and that player is Brad Marchand. Two World Junior Golds, one World Cup, one World Championship, and to top it off, one Stanley Cup with the Boston Bruins. 14 years spent in the league and still going strong with almost point-per-game pace in 874 games in the NHL. It goes without saying that his resume is an impressive one, and that also proves that he's undoubtedly been one of the best players of the decade with impressive stat line and elite two-way game. And since, like I said, there were not many as qualified candidates, he deserves the first spot on the list, while the second name that makes the list is going to be another goalie, James Reimer, who was originally drafted as the 99th player of the draft in the fourth round by the Toronto Maple Leafs. He has had an impressive career, and 0.917 save percentage added to 2.80 goals against average is only an evidence of that, and he's still going strong, so there is that as well. Many have underrated him throughout his career thanks to years spent in Toronto and not being a main starter throughout his whole career, but when you look at his stats and how long he's been in the NHL, you understand that we talk about a professional who has earned his place up top through hard work and therefore is my pick for the second spot. And the last name on our list is going to be a former 6th round pick, Matthew Perrault. Veteran drafted originally by the Washington Capitals, had a lengthy NHL career, and he was able to take home two Cutter Cups with the Hersey Bears. Not as flashy pick as the previous two, but 13 years in the big league proves that he deserves a spot on our list. While the honorable mentions go to Leo Komarov, 180th pick, and Viktor Stolberg, 161st pick of the draft. Moving on to 2007 draft, which was highlighted by the three-time Stanley Cup champion Patrick Kane, but the biggest deal of this draft ended up being the 129th pick of the draft by the Dallas Stars, their current captain, Jamie Benn. And although he's currently seriously overpaid related to his production, that still doesn't erase his whole career, and with one World Junior Championship, one World Championship, one Artrust Trophy and multiple All-Star selections prove that he's been quite productive throughout his career. 14 years spent in the league, almost 1000 games played and 769 points under his belt is a proof of that, and his services are still needed in Dallas even with this massive cap hit. On the second place, we have two-time Stanley Cup champion Nick Bonino, who was originally drafted by the San Jose Sharks in the sixth round. 334 points in 761 games as an elite two-way forward is extremely good total, and I can say that not that many sixth-rounders reach similar accomplishments during their careers. And the last spot on our list belongs to another Stanley Cup winner by the name of Jake Muzzin. Originally drafted in the fifth round by the Penguins, whose entire career has been shadowed by multiple injuries, but still, he is one of the backbones of the Leafs' back end. 293 points in 679 games is respectable total for more defensively oriented blue liner, whose trophy cabinet also holds one world championship and one World Cup gold medal. He was one of the leading forces in Kings' blue line back in 2014 when they hoisted the cup, but it remains to be seen how long his career still lasts once his current contract comes to its end in 2024 but very deserving of a spot in the top three without questions. The honorable mentions from this draft class end up going to Justin Braun, drafted in the seventh round by the Sharks. 
Carl Hagelin, 168 pick by the Rangers. And lastly, a three-time Stanley Cup winner, the big rig himself, Patrick Maru. Steven Stamkos was the big prize from the 2008 draft, while the Kings also received a pretty decent compensation in Drew Doughty for their second overall lottery ticket. This draft class was overall a very good one which saw lots of future NHLers, but the biggest steal of the draft medal goes to current captain of the Minnesota Wild, Jared Spurgeon. The undersized two-way pivot was drafted 156th overall by the New York Islanders, but 13 years later he proves that he should have gone way earlier in this draft class. He has recorded 345 points in 772 NHL games and been one of the more underappreciated two-way defensemen in the league. And why is that? Is a question which I unfortunately can't give you an answer. He has always been a steady contributor offensively while his greatest strengths can be found in his defensive game. So that might be one aspect which affects his outlook but nevertheless huge steal for the Islanders who ended up in Minnesota once he was not signed by the team that drafted him. The second player to make the list ends up being a former 6th round pick by the Columbus Blue Jackets, right winger Cam Atkinson. 700 games with 452 points from an undersized player who was never seen as a real NHL talent is quite telling but ever since his move to the NHL ice in 2011 he has been a consistent offensive threat whose speed, skill and goal scoring ability have made his NHL dream come true and for example just last year he recorded another 50 point season for the Flyers so he doesn't seem to be slowing down one bit even though he has already 12 seasons under his belt in the NHL. And the last vote for the biggest deal of the 2008 draft class goes to Stanley Cup champion goaltender Braden Holtby. Once he was drafted 93rd overall by the Caps in 08, the organization probably didn't expect him to take home one Vesna and one William and Jennings award in the NHL. But that is exactly what happened and he ended up spending 10 seasons in the nation's capital. He was their backbone in 2018 as the Caps marched their way to a Stanley Cup but a recent injury he suffered during the 21-22 season has pretty much derailed his journey in the NHL and he is expected to announce his retirement at some point. Belongs to that same category as many attendees mentioned before him in this episode, aka the elite, and although he wasn't a massive reach by any means, those numbers related to where he was actually drafted proves his pedigree in the toughest hockey league in the entire world. The two honorable mentions from this draft class go to a defenseman, DJ Brody, drafted 114th overall by the Flames, and Gustav Nyquist, who was drafted 121st overall by the Detroit Red Wings. There were other steel candidates as well, but I decided to stick with these guys as we make our way to the penultimate draft class of this episode. The 2009 draft class was a stack one which was highlighted by the top trio of John Tavares, Victor Hedman and Matt Duchesne. And there were few steals in the mix as well but not as high caliber ones as many players listed before them. The first name that pops out is forward Mike Hoffman who was drafted 130th overall by the Ottawa Senators who in 612 NHL games has recorded sounding 430 point total and thus claims the top spot on our list. The AHL champion might be highly overpaid at this point of his career, but before his downfall he was a consistent 50-point player for Ottawa Senators and later the Florida Panthers before his move to St. Louis. 
Some people forget how lethal of a goal scorer he once was when he became a key piece for the Senators organization, but now I've reminded you, and that is why he is the first steal of this draft class. Our second player was originally drafted in the fourth round by the Nashville Predators, and ever since has represented the team and been a main piece on their back end, and his name is Matthias Ekholm. 102nd pick of the draft has 12 seasons under his belt in the NHL and has recorded a nice total of 250 points in 662 games as an elite defensive-minded blue liner. When you get a complete defensive package with 30-point upside from the fourth round, as the GM, you can only pat yourself on the back and even today, some people underestimate his value for the franchise mostly because of Roman Yossi's presence on their blue line. I surely won't make that mistake and that is exactly why the world champion earns his place on the second spot of our list. And the last player to make it into top 3 is going to be a recent Stanley Cup winner, goaltender Darcy Kemper, who moved his talents to USA's capital after backstopping the Avs to their second Stanley Cup in the modern era. The 161st pick of the draft has also won a world championship with Team Canada and has just recently cemented this spot as a real number one goalie in the NHL, so we could pretty much talk about a late bloomer here. 299 games in the NHL, 0.918 save percentage and 2.48 goals against average are serious numbers for a starter, but in my opinion hasn't yet reached the levels that many others before him have on this list. But also there's still plenty of room to do so, and if he drags the Capitals to another Stanley Cup appearance, that would change in a heartbeat in my opinion, but also I'm not going to hold my breath on that one, because it's going to be a whole nother test on its own and quite a different scenario than the one he had in Colorado behind such a stacked defensive core. The three notable mentions from this draft class are going to be Craig Smith, the 98th pick by the Nashville Predators, Marcus Foligno, the 104th pick by the Sabres, and finally the 152nd pick of the draft by the Islanders their current captain, Anders Lee. So pretty decent steals from the later rounds once again, and we still have one more class to go, so take a sip and let's head to see what our last draft class of the episode has to offer. Easily, the biggest steal of this draft class is going to be the 178th overall pick by the Senators, the current member and the captain of the Vegas Golden Knights, forward Mark Stone. 476 points scored in 541 games as one of the league's best defensive forwards is something you don't expect out of a 6th round pick. And as I mentioned during the redraft episode, that total could be way bigger if he started his career anywhere else, but still it's impressive and the guy deserves his spot as the biggest steal of the class hands down. For the second spot we are going to 5th round where the right-handed offensive blue liner was selected 131st overall by the Dallas Stars, and his name is John Klingberg. One national championship, one world junior and one world championship gold under his belt, and through 552 games in the NHL, he's been able to record impressive 374 points for a team that selected him as a long shot in the fifth round. This slick blue line pivot will rep the Anaheim Ducks during the upcoming season and his offensive talents will be utilized on their first power play unit and could be a useful trade piece on the deadline if the Ducks won't see him fitting their future plans on the west coast. And the third steal of this draft class was found also in the fifth round 
when the Montreal Canadiens selected this greedy two-way winger to their organization with their 147th overall pick, and his name is Brendan Gallagher. One world championship to his name alongside 381 point total in 638 games in the NHL is very decent, while he's carried the A on his chest for the Habs since the 2015-16 season. He's never been a massive point producer on the next level, but his solid two-way game and never-give-up attitude have concreted his place in the bright lights and that is exactly what you need as an undersized forward coming from the fifth round. Honorable mentions go to Jesper Fast, drafted 157th overall by the Rangers, and Zach Hyman, the 123rd pick by the Panthers. And if you are wondering why Freddie Anderson was never mentioned in this segment, the reason is that he was later drafted to the Ducks and thus in my mind belongs to a later draft class even though he now plays for a team that originally drafted him 187th overall in 2010. If you think that I missed someone, point them out on my social media and if you feel like someone would be more deserving of a spot in these rankings, same rules apply, so dive into my DMs and let me know your thoughts. Otherwise, that was pretty much it for this week, pretty action-packed episode from start to finish. Hopefully we get another guest on the show for next week's episode and more than that, I hope that you enjoyed this trip back the memory lane in the midst of the preseason. Feel free to share your thoughts, ideas, feedback, questions, anything of that kind, because that really helps me put out better content each week. And don't forget to follow the podcast on social platforms so that you stay up to date with the weekly uploads. Thank you so much for listening. Make sure to come back next week for another great, or actually, more so mediocre episode. But with that said, I'm signing off for the weekend. Stay tuned, stay safe. Until next time, alright.